Hey everybody, I'm Adam. I am the lead communicator here at Downtown Harbor Church. Thanks so much for spending time with us today, especially on this rainy Sunday morning, because like there's this like motto in South Florida, when it rains, people don't go out, and you did, so thanks for coming this morning. We are kind of smack dab in the middle of this five-week conversation, series, talk, whatever you want to call it, called Say What? And what we're doing in this five-week series is we're looking at these, the, 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 like the five craziest things that Jesus ever said. Jesus, who we here at Downtown Harbor Church, we believe is the Messiah, the Savior to a broken world, that should we say yes to believing that he is who he said that he was, that we are made right with the ever-powerful creator of the universe. And last week we said that, yes, you can know God in a moment, but yes, it's going to take you forever to figure out what that means. And that's what we're all about here at Downtown Harbor Church. We're on this journey together. But Jesus didn't only say, hey, just believe in me, right? He said some other wild stuff. Jesus said some wild, wild stuff. Jesus said some things that were, was, were culturally transformative to the history of humanity. The stuff that Jesus said transformed everything related to humanity. In fact, dare I say that our country and our world would not even be the way that it is today had the followers of Jesus not listened to the things that he said and put them into practice in our modern world. The things that he said were so radical and so revolutionary that from the moment he said them, should his followers have listened, and they did, that every single thing should be different. Well, I told you when we started this series that we were going to kind of take a walk down memory lane each week to talk about what we've already heard Jesus say that was crazy. And the first one was this. It was the first shall be last. Basically, this said, hey, if you want to be first in life, put yourself last. You need to go live a life of service and sacrifice for other people. Go put your life down in, the, in, in honor of others. And then actually, when you put yourself last, you will be first. And then I said during week two, he said the craziest thing that he's ever said, but I kind of just emphasize that because I know some of us deal with this. And he said this, he goes, hey, don't worry. And I know some of us, because we're human beings and have, you know, worry in our life, we're kind of like, this is crazy. How could he ever say that? But he said it and it was true. And he said, look at the birds and the flowers. Don't I love you more than I love them? I've taken care of you. Don't worry about it. And then last week on Easter, we celebrated our second Easter Sunday as a church. It was so awesome to be a part of that celebration last week. What an awesome time it was. And then he said this. He goes on Easter Sunday, he goes, hey, I'm going to die and come back. What? Who is this guy? But then what we celebrated last week was he proved it. He did in that moment, in fact, say that he was going to die, and then he came back to life. There were eyewitnesses of this. It is historically documented. Jesus said, I'm going to die and come back. And so today, we're going to talk about another crazy one that he said. It's not maybe the craziest, but it might be the hardest. It actually might be the hardest for us to comprehend and put into practice. But I have a question for you before we kind of dive into that. Here's my question. And it's a really important one, and it's a practical one. And if this has ever happened to you, you're going to relate immediately. And this question that I'm going to pose to you today might even transform the way that you look at today's message and might transform the way that you look at things as you go out from here today. But this question that I'm going to ask you, actually, when I asked myself this question, everything was kind of different in my future after this had happened to me once in my life. And so here's my question for you. It's a simple one, but yet I said profound. Here's my question. Has your car ever been booted? And let me ask you why. Because if your car has been booted, 
and you've walked out of something, maybe it's even your fault, and there is a yellow thing like around your back, driver's side tire, right? There is rage that swells up in you that you cannot even put into like, you know, words or practice. You don't even know what's going on inside of you, but there's this rage swelling up inside of you. And you know, even if it is your fault, even if you parked in a place that you weren't supposed to park or it was your fault, you know who you're angry with immediately when you see that yellow tire around your car because you can't go anywhere, probably for hours. You know who you're angry at. You're mad at the boot guy. You are. And the reason you're mad at the boot guy is because the boot guy put that tire on your car so that you couldn't move. And you know what? Now you have to go through a whole different process, don't you? You got to get him on the phone because they leave that sticker that's impossible to get off the window of your car on there. You have to get razor blades out and shave that thing off, right? And you know, the boot guy, you, you call him and you're like, hey, you know, you booted my car. And he's like, okay, you know, I'll be there. Give me, a, give me a couple hours. And so you're stuck for a couple hours. And you know he's drinking champagne coolies in the back of a truck with his buddies. Like, just making fun of you because you have to wait so long like that's what he's doing and you and you're in your in your life you're going I wish death upon this man right I wish plague upon this man's family how could this ever have happened to me in this moment I hope I never run into this man at Publix because it's going to be the end of his existence once I see him again right and then he shows up Sure enough, you got to pay the 80 bucks or whatever it is, and he takes the boot off the car, makes it look simple. If only you had that kind of equipment laying around, right? And you probably think in your mind, you're going, you know what? I am so mad and so filled with vengeance and so filled with rage because if you've ever been booted, you know that's the way that you feel. And you're going, I am never going to be able to forgive this man. I hope that I never run into this man again because what a jerk, and he has put me through more than I've ever wanted to be through today. What a creep. But there's a problem with that. And there's a big problem with that. Because Jesus said some other crazy things. And the crazy thing that we're going to talk about today that he said was forgive the unforgivable. And oh boy, that was a funny one about the boot guy. And I see a ton of people in this room smiling and laughing because you know you've been booted, right? And you've parked behind a bar that you shouldn't have for way too long and that you got booted, right? But Jesus said this, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said, but we're going to unpack it today. He actually said forgive the unforgivable. How do we reconcile in our lives forgiveness? How do we reconcile in our lives to forgive people of the things that they've done us almost seem unforgivable? So I'm going to pose a question to you today, and I want you to kind of have a moment in thought, if you would. Maybe you want to close your eyes and think about this. I don't know what this looks like for you. Maybe it's going to take you a while to think about this, but I want you to think about this with me today, and it's profound, and it's going to be deep for some of you, and in first service, there was some emotion based on this question, and it was very kind of emotional for all of us in the room, right? And I want you to think about this. In this moment, I want you to think of the worst thing someone has done to you. I want you to think of the worst thing that someone has done to you in your entire life. Someone who has crossed you, someone who has hurt you in an exponential way, someone who has made you feel like you never ever wanted to feel, and you've had to carry around that weight. Think of the worst thing that someone has done to you in your life. And the fact of the matter is, is that when it comes to these worst things that happen in our lives, in our lives, we kind of put the categories of people who this happens kind of who we're closest to into a couple of different subcategories. And I think it's important for us to look at those because oftentimes the people who've done some of the worst things to us in our entire life are family. And you're like, how could this happen to me? 
How could you do this to me? I put my trust in you. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. You're my dad. You're my mom. You're my brother. You're my sister. How could this happen to you? How could you do this to me? How could you make me feel this way? How could you have wronged me in such a way? I don't know what that's like for you. I know what it's like for me, right? Maybe it's this. Maybe it's an ex-relationship. Maybe it's an ex-wife or an ex-husband or an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, and you thought that there was going to be a future together for a long, long time, and you're like, how could you do this to me? Maybe it was infidelity. How could you actually go and be unfaithful to me? How could you do this? How, how could you leave me behind? How could you leave me behind with everything that I have to manage and take care of? How could you do this to me? Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a coworker who got something that you deserved. Maybe it's a coworker who stole one of your ideas. Maybe it's a coworker who just was smug and they didn't deserve anything, but for some reason they used who they were and they used their influence to advance their life in the company and they got what you deserved and you're like, how could you do this to me? We were partners, we were brothers, we were sisters. How could you do this to me? How could you wrong me this way? How could you actually lead yourself to do something so destructive to my life? Maybe for you, you're a business owner. It's a business partner. And you started a company together. And it was 50-50. And all of a sudden, somebody stole from you. He did. She did. Fixed the books. And all of a sudden, you found out. And you're like, how could you do this to me? I thought we were close. I thought we were partners. I thought we were friends. Why, why in the world would you betray me in this way? Unfortunately, some of those worst things that have been done to us happen with people who are sometimes often closest to us. And I'm going to talk about that today. But when folks that I've just mentioned do something to us that is almost unforgivable, they become something in our lives because we don't want to be hurt, right? We don't want to be distanced from people. But when they do something in our life that's almost unforgivable, they become something to us. And it's a powerful word, and I'm going to put it on the screen, but it's true about what they almost become to each one of our lives when it happens that they hurt us severely. They become our enemy. And that's a strong word. But if you think about it, it's true. Someone crosses me or crosses my family or maybe even somebody in my family crosses me and it's that severe and we sever our relationship. They're like my enemy now. I can't even associate with them or be with them. The problem with this is is that that is a natural human reaction. And I'm not saying it's a reaction that we shouldn't all even probably have at first, but Jesus, who we believe is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, called us to a different way about our enemies and about forgiveness. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. That's what he said. He goes, you've heard the law that it says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, people who've wronged you, people who don't deserve your forgiveness, right? You've heard the law, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Wait a second, wait a second, Jesus. You're telling me that I need to love the people who've wronged me? You're telling me that I need to love and pray for those who've hurt me in ways that I could never understand or imagine? That's what you're telling me? And he goes on to say something so profound. He says, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. In that way, when you choose to figure out how to love your enemies, when you choose how to figure out how to forgive, even when people don't deserve forgiveness, you will be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. It goes on to talk about this, and you know what? 
As he talks about this, I think he was taking a shot at the local church of today, too, if I can just be honest. That's what I think. He says, if you, love those who lo- if you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you only want to associate with people who are just like you, you're like the tax collectors, the scum of ancient time who ripped people off and stole from them. That's who you're like. Wow. Powerful words. And if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. We don't all have to agree on everything in this room, but if you're not kind and welcoming to people who aren't just like you, my goodness, Jesus is talking about this right here. And he said something that was profoundly changing for everyone in this room and everyone at the time. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow, this idea of what it looks like and what it means to forgive even those who are your enemies, to forgive those who have wronged you. And here's the truth of the matter, the fact of the matter. This is something that I believe with all my heart. Because Jesus, whenever he speaks, is not talking about things that are easy to do. Jesus, whenever he speaks, he's doing something very specific. He is calling his followers to a higher standard of life. He is not just saying, hey, gang, I'm going to talk to you about this, and this is going to be easy to do. That's not what he's saying. But he is calling his people, those who would say yes to him and then go listen to his teaching, they would call, he would call them to a higher standard of life. And here's what I want you to know, because this isn't easy. Forgiveness might be the most difficult thing you will ever do. And here's why. And here's what I want you to know. And this is where it kind of gets emotional and real in this room, but that's what we're all about week in and week out. When you've been wronged, when someone wrongs you, it just plain hurts. It's brutal. And you know how I know that? Because I've been hurt. I've been hurt by people that I thought I cared about and I thought cared about me. I've been hurt by people when I was a kid. And when someone wrongs you, it just plain hurts. And it can hurt for a long, long time. And those emotions when pain comes into your life are real. And they're, they're everyday emotions that we need to take very seriously about how we process them. I'm not at all saying that when someone wrongs you that these emotions aren't real and true and good, right? But when someone wrongs you, you have to figure out how that works in your own life and how hurt can work because it can hurt for a long time. And when hurt works for a long time, it can lead to two different emotions, When you're hurt for a long, long time, hurt can actually lead to these two emotions that we've kind of come up with, and I think it's really going to be practical for us to understand today. The first emotion that it leads to when you're hurt for a length of time is bitterness. It hurts for a long time, and then you become what? Become bitter, okay? How many people have a dog in the room? Just raise your hand real quick if you have a dog, okay? Fine, perfect, okay? I had a puppy, okay, a couple of years ago. Sweetest thing in the world, okay? Um, she's cuter than your dog. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But um, what, no, I'm just kidding for some of you. I know I love your dog a lot. But anyway, one of the things that the breeder told us to do was, hey, if she's a nipper and like she chews on stuff, get some of that bitter apple and like spray like the bottom of your furniture so she won't do it anymore. And I'll never forget when we did it the first time and she went over to the couch and like tried to lick it. She was like, you know, she couldn't stand it. It was so bitter in her mouth that she was just like, mm, right? And I felt so bad, so I stopped using it, right? But I'll tell you this, over the course of time, when that bitter taste stays in your mouth, when bitterness lasts in your life for a long time, it can corrupt you and it can lead to something. 
And I talked about this a couple of months ago here at DHC when we talked about some of these themes in the book of Proverbs, and one of them was anger. And it can lead to you being angry. And anger over time is one of those things that if you let it creep in, can be a very difficult emotion to kind of let go and to process. But when you stay hurt, when you deal with unforgiveness and you don't cross the line to forgive, right? You can deal with these things that are so powerful and emotional. And allow me to tell you this, which I think is so important. Because those emotions over time have never helped anyone. I'm not saying that if you've been wronged, you're not going to have them. Not saying that. Don't miss this. This is not what I'm saying. But over the course of time, bitterness that leads to anger is not going to help anyone. I don't know anyone who's bitter and angry that I've ever been like, wow, I really want to be around them. They're an awesome person, right? No, I go, man, they're dealing with issues and dealing with stuff. That's why it's so important for us to resolve these things in our lives. We kind of came up with this phrase this week, and I think it's such a cool and powerful one. Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's all it is. And it's really hard. And don't get me wrong, as I've said, I'm not saying that Jesus has said this is easy. And I'm going to talk about people who aren't even responsive to this in just a second. But I also believe this, is that those people I mentioned earlier, family, ex-relationships, co-workers, business partners, those people who tend to be close to us, it's oftentimes easier to forgive people from afar than it is those who are close. Because it hurts in a different way when they're your family. It hurts in a different way when they've made a promise to you. It hurts in a different way when you're like, I don't know how to deal with this ex-relationship or this business partner who's wronged me. It's oftentimes easier to forgive people from afar than it is those who are close. Like somebody gives you the finger on 595, like you're not mad for that long, right? I mean, you're irritated, but like you're not, you're not thinking about it like weeks and months and years later. Yeah, you're mad, but it goes away. So here's the point. Because I think this is a practical for every single person in this room. And I'm going to talk about it. And this is going to get real, so get ready, buckle up. You need to learn to practice forgiveness. You need to learn to practice forgiveness. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, it says this. And, and don't put it, take it off the screen for a second. Just take it off, okay, because it's powerful, okay? All right, sorry, I get kind of spastic sometimes up here. I got a little ADD, OCD, all the ADs coming up, going on, right, okay? And so this, when I read this again this week, I've read this before but it has never smacked me in the face like it did. That's why it's in the message this week, like it did when I read it this week. Don't miss this. Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whew. Um... I don't really know what that means. You chew on that your own self this week, but I didn't write it, and so it's there, and so I, I believe it in some way, and so that's why I believe Jesus spoke so strongly about the idea of forgiveness. Jesus, you're telling me that if I don't forgive, I'm not going to be forgiven? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Whoa, I better get this forgiveness thing straight. You need to learn to practice forgiveness. You need to learn to practice forgiveness. And here is the key. Don't miss this. If you don't take anything away from today, just take this away because it's going to be transformative for your life. You need to learn to practice forgiveness. 
even if they don't ask for it. And that's where it gets tough because you deal with the pain and you deal with the hurt and you deal with the idea that someone has hurt you in a way that you never thought it was possible to be hurt and someone has wronged you in a way that you never thought it was possible to be wrong and now they don't even ask for forgiveness. They haven't even come and said they were sorry to me and don't miss this. They never might and you're telling me I need to forgive them? Yes, because forgiveness isn't about them, it's about you. And it's about the baggage that you carry around related to it. Because a lot of people have a lot of idiotic behavior. A lot of people do a lot of stupid things. And a lot of people, those people I mentioned before, families, ex-relationships, coworkers, business partners, a lot of people have done some really bad things to us. But see, when you forgive and you learn to forgive, forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness doesn't tell them what they've done is right. Forgiveness just prevents their actions from destroying your heart. And I'll tell you this, is that there's somewhere along the way, some people may not even be coming to ask for forgiveness, but it's about you. It's about you carrying that weight around. It's about you carrying that baggage around. It's about me carrying that baggage around and how much that bitterness leads to anger and what that does in our lives when we don't forgive those who come and ask for forgiveness and those who don't. Because sometimes people may not come back and ask, ever. Or they may come back and ask, and they may do it again. And they may wrong you again. And so in Luke 17, 4, it just says this, which I think is important. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. This is why Jesus talked about it so boldly and so bluntly, because he knew how much unforgiveness corrupted our lives, and unforgiveness is not about the other person and what they did, even though they're idiots, right? They should like, I mean, there are people out there who just have done stupid things, but if you forgive them or not, it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you and with me. And so often, we fail to forgive someone who should be close to us. We fail to do it because the hurt is too much. We've been carrying it around for too long. We can't let it go. We cannot just put one foot in front of the other. Even with God by our side, we say we can't do it. So often, we fail to forgive someone who's close to us. So if you've been around Downtown Harbor Church for any length of time, or maybe you're new, maybe you're here for the first time today, awesome. You might have heard this story before, and if you are new, I will guarantee you, if you come back, which I hope you do, you're going to hear it again, because it's one of my favorites of all time. So my favorite movie of all time is A League of Their Own. I don't know if you know that movie, but I believe it's just an all-American classic. It has everything, baseball, war, Madonna, right? <laughs> so anyway, it's about the all-American girls' professional baseball league and how in World War II... When the men went off to war, women played professional baseball. Two of the characters, the main characters in the movie, are the roles that Tom Hanks and Gina Davis play. So Tom Hanks plays uh, Jimmy Dugan, who was a home run champion, now a manager. And Gina Davis plays Dottie Henson, the best player in the league. You know that my dog is named Dottie. Yes, we named her after that character, okay? So if there's one point in time where the scene kind of comes to a head and something happens at the end of the movie. 
Gina Davis, who is the best player in the league, Dottie Henson, her husband returns home from war, and she wants to leave the game. And she wants to go and be with him because the game is just too hard. And Tom Hanks pulls her aside and says something to her that absolutely I'll never forget. It's not scriptural. It's not anything like super deep or meaningful, but it impacted my life. That's why I continue to stand up here and say it. He reveals to Dottie in that moment that at the end of his career for five years, he was an alcoholic. And he wasted the last five years of his entire career. And he said to her, Dottie, I gave five years at the end of my career away to drink. Five years. And he goes, and now there isn't anything that I wouldn't give to get back any one day of it. The same is true about forgiveness. Because when we fail to forgive someone who should be close, we begin to waste something. We begin to waste the only thing that we can't get back on this earth. It's the only thing that's going away and we cannot take more of it. You can get more money, you can get more stuff, you can get more fame, you can get whatever you want, but this is the one thing you can't get back. Time. And it's an emotional thing because we think about that. And so often in our hearts, it's not up to us if we want to reconcile a relationship that doesn't want to be reconciled, but we don't have to let time go by dealing with our own bitter and angry feelings because time's running out. The truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that time is running out for all of us. That may sound cliche, but it's true. And so these relationships that, is, that have wronged us, at some level, when we don't want to participate in forgiveness, we got to figure out how to do it. For us. For us. Not for them. So what's the practical? At Downtown Harbor Church, every week we always try to bring it back to the practical. What can you hear today on a Sunday morning and then put into practice on Monday morning? Because if you can't come up with anything out of this message, then we have not done our job around here. And the practical today is very simple. It's figuring out in your own life how to forgive. It's figuring out in your own life how to forgive. Because some of us are dealing with pain. Some of us are dealing with hurt. Some of us are dealing with a lot of emotion that we're carrying around every day and we're mad and we're angry. And so what do we need to do? we got to figure out how in some way to forgive. Even if the other person doesn't want it. Even if the other person never wants to have a relationship with you. Fine. Forgiveness is about you, not them. So here's a couple of practicals that I think just could really make a difference if you choose to participate in them. Maybe it's time to write a letter. Don't send an email. Handwrite a letter. It's old-fashioned, but it works. Let them see your handwriting. You can find their address on the FBI or the white pages. They have everybody's contact information now, okay? Right? Write a letter. Maybe it's time for you to just tell somebody, I don't know if you even think what you did was wrong, but I don't care because I do and I'm choosing to forgive you. Maybe it's time for some of us to pick up the phone and make a call. They're going to send it to voicemail, okay? It's just going to happen, right? But maybe they're going to listen to it. And who knows what it might lead to. For some of you, the relationships aren't that severed or that broken. And it might be time to figure out, hey, I need to sit across the table from somebody and have a coffee. And we may not agree in that meeting. There may be some very hurtful things said, but I'm going to leave that meeting one way, going, I forgive you. Even if you don't want it, I forgive you. You're not going to ruin me. You're not going to ruin who I am. I forgive what you did to me. I forgive the hurt you caused me. I forgive the things that I never thought would happen in my life that you did to me and caused me pain. I forgive you. And then you will have peace. They may not. 
They might be mad good, right? And then you will, I didn't say that, right? I didn't say that. Strike that from the audio recording. Don't put that back up on the social media channel. And then you will have peace. Because at the end of the day, I believe two things. I believe that Jesus spoke about forgiveness so much because he wanted his followers who were going to influence the world to be a light of the world, to have such love and inner peace here in this life, right here and now. And that's why he spoke about it and said, hey, listen, no, missus, you don't forgive. God might not forgive you. Better do it. That's how serious he was about forgiveness. That's how serious it meant. And so here's what I want you to know. When you forgive those who don't deserve forgiveness, you will truly find peace. You will truly find peace. I know because I've done it on a number of different occasions. And it's brutal. It's not easy to do because there's hurt that you're working through and going through and it's hard. You're going to have a couple of different people in your life. You're going to have those who come forward and ask for forgiveness. You're going to have people who don't and you forgive anyway and tell them. And then you're going to have people you may never have contact again, but you're going to be the person who's okay because you've forgiven in your own heart. Maybe they didn't even deserve it. But then at the end of the day, you will have peace. The craziest things that Jesus said can change our life if we let them. But we got to listen. We got to put them into practice. And if we do, everything will be different. Trust me. I've experienced this. I know. Let me pray. Father, for who you are, we say thanks. For who you are, we're just so in awe of your presence and Jesus, who you were on this earth and how you taught us to live. May we put it into practice. And God, I pray specifically today that if there's anyone here who is dealing with this, and my you know, hunch is, is that the entire room is dealing with it, that your presence would be with them that you would walk alongside them as they work through this, that you would figure out and they would figure out through you how they need to go forward and put one foot in front of the other and figure out how to begin to practice forgiveness. And Jesus, I know that you will hear and answer that prayer and that you are currently. And I know that you will be with us as we go on this journey. We pray for your strength and your wisdom and your mercy and your grace in our lives that we may go out and love other people and figure out to forgive those, even those who haven't asked for it or who don't deserve it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.